0: Chris, let's get back to um, the the Isley's catalog a bit. You know, what would you say are some of your personal favorites, and 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 why?
1: Um, well, we mentioned the Heat is On album. Um, that's one of my personal favorites. You know, for for the reasons that I said. You know, how it took the group to another uh, whole another level, and and also we were the only musicians on that record. That was the that was the beginning of. The plus three being the music, the total musical force uh, for the group, um, and it's all original material too. So that one, that one will always stand out for that reason. Um, Caravan of Love is has to be uh, one of the biggest stands out too because of what it it was for the younger members of the band. Me, you know, in particular, you know, I sang it and wrote it and all of that stuff and played almost everything on there but guitar. And it was like a first, you know, for the younger members, you know, number one record. So I think think for many different reasons, those two albums will always kind of stand out with with the career, with the groups, you know.
0: You know, um, I always found it curious and so did other uh, friend fans of mine, you know, that so many of the songs back then, you would always say there were parts one and two. Um, What's the thinking behind that and you know, we would try to figure out where did part two begin and part one end?
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well you generally if uh, a song was went over a certain uh, time You know a certain length um, You remember when they made 45s Mm -hmm. um, You couldn't get too much on one side So if it was a long song you'd have to finish it on side B (laughs) So if it was like, I think it was over like four four minutes and 30 seconds or something like that. If it was more than that, it would be a part two, you know? So that's why they would label part one and part two because of length, you know? Uh, because we usually had a long end section to like live it up. The, the end section after the verses was longer than the, than the verses. You know, that lady was like that. You know, we had, who's that lady at first? And then it went into the instrumental thing, you know? So, it was it was because of the length of the song that we had part
0: one and two. What, was there a sense that uh, toward the um, you know early eighties that you know you were kind of running out of steam a little bit? Um, could you just talk about what was kind of going on at that time and you know what if any sort of creative differences there might have been happening um, that caused you know Isley Jasper Isley to spin off and. And you know, uh, Ronald to to do his thing, and and what happened at that time?
1: Well, in in 1980, uh, the Go All the Way album uh, that was supposed to be the first Isaac Jasper Isaac album, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the group was having problems then, Um, but then we decided to stay together, so it became an Isaac Brother album. But there were things happening um, within the group financially. Was financial problems were the biggest ones, hmm. but then there were creative differences too. Um, and in particular, uh, there were some things, some songs, and you know, that, that were done that were really written. F- I wrote them for myself, actually, <laughs> you know, and I, and I felt I should have sang them, but there was a resistance from the older brothers, you know what I mean, and I felt that was hurting the material, and it did hurt the material. Um, you know, I I really started to see us as a group that could be like the OJs or the Temptations, you know, where you had two lead singers and they each, you know, did justice to the song that they were singing, you know what I mean? And um, it's kind of like, you know, having like Eddie Kendrick sing My Girl, you know, it's it may have been good, but it wouldn't be the same, you know what I mean? And that's what I was getting from some of our songs during that period after 1980, um, which is probably why there was a little, you know, <laughs> little drop off. You know, uh, songs weren't really some songs weren't really written for him for Ronald, and um, I, I think that was the creative thing that was happening, and, and I, I think the group was hurt by that a bit, a little bit. Because um, you know, a lot of groups had two lead singers. But I think the older guys for so long, you know, Ronald sang everything for so long, they felt he should sing everything. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of what was happening creatively. But the financial thing was was the thing that finally broke broke the group up. You know, it was just, you know, they they had the IRS problems and taxes and they never would take care of it right. And,
0: It was just impossible for us to stay together as six members. Well, that's a shame, but, you know, everything has to come to an end eventually, I guess. But, you know, as an outsider looking in, you know, I mean, this was the album that was it for me. It's one of my all-time favorites by anybody. It's just from start to finish. I'll stack it up with any album by anyone. And, you know, this one and um, Showdown, um, in particular, Um, You know, it's when I was in high school. So but it particularly hit a note with me and you know Again from an outsider looking in I felt that you know the winner takes all album Some great stuff, but not as consistent all the way through being a double album and then go all the way um, You know on that one the slow material seemed to be a little stronger than and and the funk songs were not quite on the same level as what had preceded. and to me, as far as the Isley's catalog goes, um, I think it was um, the real deal. That album brought it back to kind of a level that I thought you had with "Go with the Guns" uh, or "Go for Your Guns." And um, to me, that was like the last great—you know, um, "Between the Sheets," notwithstanding, is a great song. But that album, from beginning to end, to me was the last great Isley's album. Um, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, it's like, you know, I
1: each one of those albums has a certain thing that I like about it. You know what I mean? Um, but it's what's difficult uh, as a uh, as a songwriter with other people in the group, you know, who are not songwriters. Like like the older guys, they were not songwriters, you know. They weren't writing stuff. We, and me and Ernie were and to try to get them to do what you want to do sometimes is difficult. <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Some of those sessions were like pulling teeth. You know, sing it this way. Do no do this. Do that. You know, no, no do this phrase. Do that phrase. You know what I mean? And it was like it sounds easy once it's finished. You know, but but it wasn't easy. You know, and um, that's why I, that's why I like. The freedom of being able to do my own music because I can do it like it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? I can, I know. Like some of those phrases. Uh, I was talking to my wife in the car the other day, and uh, uh, "Between the Sheets" came on, and I said, "Wow, that's that's another phrase I had. That was that was pretty hard for for getting around to do." Who mm-hmm. baby, feel your love surrounding me. Ooh. You know, those phrases, those were my phrases. I sang them first. And I was telling him, hey, do this, do that. You know what I mean? But it was hard. But It sounds, sounds, you know, like it was easy though, right? But see, the the point I'm making is I wrote a lot of stuff and a lot of those phrases are my phrases and stuff. And people don't realize it until they hear my current stuff. And they say, hey, man, you know, you and Ronald sound similar a lot of times. But I said, hey, we like the same guy, Sam Cooke. That's why it was easy for me to write with Ronald, because I was a big Sam, fan, a Sam Cooke fan from a, a kid this high. I used to seeing Sam Cooke music all the time. So, it was like, when I started to write, I said, hey, like, he likes that kind of thing, too. So, hey, I can write, the, I can craft a melody like this, you know what I mean? And um, it, it worked, perfectly. But, um, the, the point I'm making is, a lot of those songs in that era, in that era, like Love Mary go Round" and uh, It's alright with me, and so, I was supposed to sing that whole song, you know. It had a different feel to it. I have a little kind of rougher thing in my voice sometimes, you know. That's kind of like, a, you know, a little more like soulful, like in in a way, you know. And Ronald's voice is higher pitched, and so some some of the songs were crafted for a more you know soulful kind of thing to happen, you know. I know that you always need a lover. You know, the more soul thing, not a nice little thing. You're talking about a a love triangle, you know? How are you going to be nice about that? You know know? know what I'm trying to say? And 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 that's, I was really mad about that song because it sounded like a top 40 smash when I sang it. And then they had Ronald sing the verses. I was like, for what? It's finished. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's what I'm saying. That, I think that's why the material suffered. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you can imagine the stuff that, you know, Eddie LaVert sang for the OJs, if you took him off of the song, <laughs> why? You know, and I didn't know of it. I think it was, like I said, I think it was, you know, them resisting what they were seeing too in the concerts because I was seeing, I was seeing in the shows that people would go crazy. I mean, actually crazy, right? And then, okay, oh, you know what? Put that on the record. huh? Well, you know, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying. It stopped being the music. Yeah. And when it stops, when you stop listening to the music, what the music is telling you, then it's time to quit. See, because something else is going on. When you hear when you hear a song like that come back on the speakers and you and you say oh we gotta change something then you then it's like it's not the music anymore you see it's something else and that's when it's time to say okay let's go it's enough mm-hmm. and that's what happened with the Isaac brothers
0: well and, and Chris hearing you know your your solo work and you know hearing you know all those identifiable elements and you know, also I got to say on uh, Ernie's only solo album, Highwire, um, you know, could hear it in that too. And I was surprised when that came out because I didn't even know Ernie could sing at all. Um, he sang some, some I.J.I. stuff, you know, when
1: that just was together, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish he would. Ernie, po- Ernie laid down the guy tracks too, you know. Ronald just copied, you know, what he sang. And then when I would sing, I would lay down guy tracks. He would just copy the same thing. That's that's how we made the records. That's how we did them so fast. You know what I mean? Because Ronald didn't have to search for a melody or search, he didn't have to search for any ad-libs. What what seemed to be ad-libs were, were in the song. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were they were with, crafted in within the melody. You didn't have to, he to search for anything. All I had to do was just do it. That was the thing, do it. And uh Hey, I mean, you know, Caravan, you know, Caravan was like, that's why Caravan was so big. It's because, to me, it's because, okay, it was like, this is what I wanted the Isley brothers to do.
0: Well, in our last few minutes, Chris, uh, let's talk a little bit more about um, Isley, Isley, Jesper Isley and also your solo work. Um, you know, when you guys went off on your own that um, Broadway is closer to Sunset Boulevard, you know, I saw that, um, I was looking forward to you know you guys branching off on your own because um, you know for me the Azus were just starting to favor too much of the mellow stuff and I'm more of an up tempo funky guy and um, and also you know the, the uh, rock side of it so I saw that you guys came out bold you had that you know cover with standing there with your instruments and you were going to conquer the world um, but then you know the material was a lot more varied um, than I was kind of anticipating. And so, can you speak to uh, you know how that came to be and what you were thinking and looking to do at that time?
1: Um, I think I think from uh, Ernie's standpoint, I think he wanted to try to you know do something that was kind of top forty-ish, like you know that would maybe like we alluded to earlier, crossover. You know, so I think that first album had those elements of uh, you know some some top forty and rock in it. You know, uh, and that came from, from, from Ernie's perspective, you know, basically. Um, I want, um, there's one song I did that was kind of a top 40 song on there too, Love's, like, love's Gonna Last Forever. Uh, it's kind of a ballad, you know, but it was a ballad, you know, and um, oh, Serve You Right, that was more, you know, like me. That was, that was my idea. But there was, it was a, it was a variety of, of different types of songs on that first album. And that's why when we did Caravan, I, I, I really called a meeting. I said, you know, you guys should come up to the house. I want to talk to you about, you know, this next album. I said, we, we've we got to get back to, you know, our roots, Our, you know, what people expect, you know, to hear when they hear music from us, you know, and it's gotta be soulful, you know what I mean? And Caravan and Insatiable Woman, you know, were, were two of my ideas that I said, hey, here, you know, we should we should do things like this, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, it wasn't even finished yet. The song wasn't really finished yet, but you know the, the groove was there, and um, that was we. I consciously wanted to get back to soul um, w- when I did Caravan, and um, yeah, it was different from the first from the first Broadway, the Broadway album. It was different, and it was consciously different. I, I made a I made that point. I said we got to get back to soul, singing soul, man. That's it.
0: But to me, that's the most fully realized IJI album for sure. I mean, from yeah. beginning to end, it's just really cohesive. Yeah, yeah. So not only the hit, but I mean, just throughout. Yeah, yeah.
1: The, the, the musical, the music is just. Yeah, and I can hardly wait. Was another song on it. You know, it got a lot of play of R&B stations. You know, but it, again, it was a soul, a soul song. You know.
0: So, um, I noticed you had uh, worked with Shaka Khan a little bit uh, later in the decade and um, how did that come to be and and who are some other folks that you've worked with that maybe not everyone would even know about?
1: Well I I was in the same studio that she was recording in up in Connecticut uh, when I was doing, uh, I had just done Super Bad album, just kind of finished it, finished it off. She was coming in and um, I met a producer and he, we were talking, you know, and I said, yeah, I just finished an album and blah, 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 and, you know, and then he goes, uh, hey, but he said, do you, do you think you have a song for Shaka, you know, because she's looking for, you know, more material. She's not finished her album yet, because I think they did some other songs in another studio, and then they were coming uh, to this, this studio, and I said, well, yeah, I said, I think I have something. So then <laughs> I, w- I went home, you know, and, uh, you know, and then came back. And kind of start laying the tracks for uh, make it last, you know. And uh, that's that's kind of how that got going. And then um, when I finished the track, you know, I sang some background on there with her, you know. And uh, that was that was a really great experience working with, with somebody like because she, you know, she could really sing, and she can play drums, which I didn't know. <laughs> she, she could she could really play drums too. But anyway. That was was a really good experience. And I've I've worked with, you know, artists that I had on my own label, you know, like uh, Brothers by Choice, Al Front, Liz Ho, another great singer, but, you know, she had something on the Gold City label. Um, uh, Now I'm working with my son, Michael, and he's working on product. Um, He's in law school, so he's got to juggle between recording and all his work he has, but uh, he should be coming out with something soon. But... uh, yeah, you uh know, most of the things I do though are my solo projects. Um uh, I've gotten comfortable, you know, working uh, solo. Um and uh I'm very, very happy with what I'm producing. I mean, uh right now my song uh uh I Love You, which is a single uh from the latest album, is is topping the charts over there in England. It just reached number one on one of the charts. Yeah. reached really? number one on one of the charts on the and um, the uh on the soul chart it's number four, it went from 14 to number four. So it's really, really doing well there. Uh, and we're promoting it here in the States too. We're starting to get, you know, some stations on it, but, um, this album has a lot on it. You know, it's, uh, it's got two covers on it and it's got some funk on it. it's got, you know, ballads, of course, always ballads because that's one of my strong points. That's one of the strong points I've always done is ballads. And, um, very, just very happy with with the response that the people to give the all the reviews that they give it
0: is great yeah I've been enjoying it it's uh, kind of like um, two halves in a way you know the the, the beginning and first half is yeah. more mellow and ballady, and then the second half kind of gets funky and a little more varied and uh, so did you you know tend to sequence it that way
1: yeah I wanted to I wanted to start off with the how great they are because it's such a, a statement and you know like a a my relationship with God is a very big part of who I am. That's, that's who I am. So if, if I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna start off with that. And, and it was, and it was a really, really, I think it was a really, really good version of it. You know, uh, the energy in it and the whole thing. I mean, it was, it was a, a great spiritual experience for me doing that record. So I said, I would say it to my wife. I said, you know what? And we were trying to figure out the sequence. I said, you know what? Start off with that one, you <laughs> know, because you know, why wait for that? You know, just, just put it on the front and then just let everything else flow. And, and, and the You Are So Beautiful, I thought I thought that arrangement went really well. Uh, and um, because she, she encouraged me to do both of those, by the way, because she said, you know, you did all those other arrangements, you know, Hello Is Me and you know Don't Let Me Be Lonely in the Night and all that stuff. And she said, why don't you do something with these two songs? She's like, because she liked it, that You Are So Beautiful. And my mother and her liked that hymn, you know, uh, How Great They Are. So I said, I said, we'll see what I can do with them, you know? And, uh, I'm really glad I did, because uh, it added something else that wasn't on the previous album. You know, um, that cover element and arrangement and all that. You know how how "You Are So Beautiful" ends. You know, with the with the back to the R and B, you know, kind of you know groove at the end. And um, I just I just like a lot of the things that happened on this on this album musically.
0: Well, I've been enjoying it for sure. Um, Chris, what was it like when you got inducted into uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 92? Can you um, tell me what that meant to you, what the experience was like? And, you know, as you're in this stage of your career and life, um, you know, how do you reflect back upon things?
1: Well, I, was, I remember at the time I was surprised to hear uh, from the uh, academy. <laughs> I was very surprised. Uh, and um, the whole – the whole uh, affair was very nice. It was done at the Waldorf Astoria in New York. You know, lots of press. They had like a press room, you know. And I think oh, everybody gosh. that had a camera was there. <laughs> it was like a huge room with nothing but cameras. And, um, you know, uh, that was before the ceremony began. You had the press conference. And I think any artist who would to show up, you know, could show up and, you know, give a sh- short interview and they had you know they took pictures and stuff and it was even a a, a video it was, it was like a, a news thing that came on television too you know they showed it on the stations and um i, I always remember the amount of press that was there and I, I was impressed by that but then you know the ceremony was great too um little richard uh brought us up and presented you know us on the stage you know and um that was after the breakup too you know the group breakup you know and um, it was funny. I had, I had mixed emotions, you know, mm-hmm. on one, one hand, you know, this great honor, but then on the other hand, you know, um, still distance between, you know, the, the members of the group, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of a mixed emotions, but um, I have that in a, a very special place in my house, <laughs> you know, that, that trophy, because it is special. You know, to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I donated some things there. I donated one of my "The Liberation" that you mentioned. You know, uh, on the album cover that I was standing there with on the Broadway album. Mm-hmm. I donated that Moog Liberation" to the uh, uh, Hall of Fame, and also that outfit that I was wearing. <laughs> Those are both in the, um, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
0: You sure you don't want to wear that around the house anymore?
1: I <laughs> no way I can get into that again. <laughs> Oh, the boots also. (laughs) Perfect. I even donated the boots, yeah. So, yeah, that's all in the Cleveland there, if you want to go by there.
0: So, uh, as we wind this down, Chris, um, you know, what can we expect from you uh, moving forward? Are you doing any live shows? And also, if you do do live shows, do you do any of the Isley tunes?
1: Oh, I would definitely do Isley tunes, yeah. Uh, You know, go back and do some of the old stuff, and then... um, do some of the new stuff and then probably close it out with caravan you know caravan of love and and stuff from that album you know i I would go from i would do material from all you know all the different times in my career and um yeah i want to do that i want to start doing some live shows um but then i'm also doing a score for a movie that my son wrote too so we're working on finishing that music um but um i been doing a lot of recording and, you know, like you know, some scoring here and there. And then, uh, but I've, in the future, I, I know I'm going to have more ideas <laughs> because that's, that's just who I am. I'm a composer and I get ideas. So um, I'll be working on new material too. When it will come out, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm working on new material.
0: Well, I think I speak for a lot of fans when I say, Keep on doing it, man. Don't stop.
1: Yeah. It's can't stop the flow.
0: <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, where can uh, people, uh, you know, get more Chris Jasper information and access the CD?
1: Yeah. Uh, Chris Jasper.com. Just that simple. All this, all the music stores are in there, you know, iTunes, CD baby, and you know, Amazon, all that stuff. And uh, uh, everything I'm doing, you can get to Facebook, Twitter, all through chrisjasper.com so
0: well that seems easy enough yeah yeah so with that it's time to uh, wrap up this episode of truth and rhythm a big thanks again to my very special guest mr chris jasper and also sincere thank you to our viewers um chris thank you so much
1: oh sure my
0: pleasure be sure to look out for other episodes of Truth and Rhythm episodes catch up on previous installments at funkinstuff.net or on YouTube. And for now, this is Scott Goldfein once again saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.